Welcome back. This is the second awesome commentary for a book called The Bunker. The Bunker or The Bunker? I don't hear a perceivable difference. <laughs> the Bunker? All right, so we had a, we're doing a special edition because we're all here. We're not talking over Skype. So how about everyone says who they are so people listening can recognize the distinct voices since it's... Recognize the echo. The echo. <laughs> Who are right. you? So I'm Tony Guerrero, editor of GomicVine.com. Sitting very close to me, to my left. Uh, I'm Joshua Hale Fialkov. Uh, I'm uh, the writer of The Bunker. Are you the writer or the author? I'm the writer. Joe and I together form, it's like Voltron. <laughs> we become an author together. Revoltron. Revoltron. There's a lot of farting in this room. We're actually yeah. in our uh, fart-filled... A hotel room right now. It's pretty sexy. It's relatively yes. fart free right now. Well, relatively not for long. Yeah. <laughs> not dim, for long, dim kids. The lights. <laughs> and I am Joan Frenari, uh, artist on the bunker. I am Robin Herrera, associate editor, co-editor on the bunker. And I am James Lucas Joan, the other co-editor on the bunker. Hey, I'm Ed Elfrig. I'm. It's here. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly drunk. Yeah. <laughs> really, like it just came right out. There was like you were sober. You were doing the you were doing the setup, and you were making sure everything was fine. And you were stone sober. And you're like, oh, I'm fucking done. It's yeah, three o'clock. Let's go. Let's go. And he's hiding it. Not I think sure. he's just yeah. picking a more slurred speech way to uh, identify himself. On the I like that. Yeah. It's a speech impediment. It's yeah. the one who can speak with an accent. It's your self-identifying yeah. speech impediment. I'll do a new accent every time I talk. So. So we have, we have like so many people in this room. He's going to have all the different accents. You're yeah, looking at me like you don't understand what I'm saying. What's happening? What's happening anymore? All right, so uh, issue two was a great issue. Um, really, what this is, I like sitting next to Tony as he tells me how great uh, our book is. So that's really that's actually what this is. See, because then, then what what I don't send you the link to. We do a commentary and a commentary. Uh, so I was like, man, Josh was saying this stuff. I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. He was just looking for praise uh, and he had to say some shit about you know, liking that, it. That, that would be weird if 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 the book wasn't as good as it is. It is. See, if, if I would just say See? it's like I got to do commentary in this book. It's like, oh my goodness, and but. You actually did email me the day of the day you got the preview copy to say mm-hmm. how excited you were to do the to do this. Yeah. So you better fucking perform. <laughs> well, see, and then I, I kind of pushed it off on Matt, right? Because he really wanted to review it. So like, okay, you can review it. So that way there, there'd be no bias. You'd be like, because I think you're an okay guy, right? Because now we have a thing. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. But then I was like, well, I'm reviewing the print because I I pull rank. Wow. Yeah. You did a lot to me. So we'll throw that out there. Yeah. Hey, yeah, back to the podcast, though. How are we doing? Right. So uh, let's let's start. Should we recap issue one? Who wants to recap issue one? James. No, I'm not. 
Who read it? She went, no. no. I don't know what it's about. Well, actually, we could just say, they listen Listen to the previous commentary episode. Yeah, I don't think we really summarized the book sure that, that one either. Help. Yeah, it really isn't. There's a lot of, there's a lot of nastiness, and that's it. That's I think really it's like, yeah, incoherent yeah. insanity. Well, it always, okay, so it starts out with a group of friends. They're going to bury a time capsule out in the woods. Mm-hmm. As they're about to, they, they find a hidden bunker. It's like, oh, this is cool. This is but, compelling. This is a compelling story. But no, it's, it's, it's like, like, imagine you're out in the woods. You're Someone in the should purchase you, this you, for you, television. You find this bunker. It's like, holy, <laughs> holy crap, what is this? But then, their names on the bunker. Almost all of their names. Almost all of their names. Hold on a second. There's one. That is a mysterious thing that I hope pays off. That's going to be exciting. That there's only <laughs> you're you're names. the one who has to make oh, it pay shit. off, you oh, realize. It's like, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so then, then inside the bunker... There's a bunch of letters. He's really going B for beat. He's really doing this whole. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, Why are they, they buying the book at this point? This is is vivid. Well, that's what we're doing. Let him weave a web. Let him right. spin a tapestry for us. So then, <laughs> so there, there's letters from their future selves, and they find out that the world's really messed up, and they may or may not be to blame. Right? They are to blame. Well, okay. I didn't want to give it all away. See. <laughs> You're complaining that people aren't going to go Fair back and buy issue okay. one. Okay, and then you you continue then. And then they fight. And they have some problems. And then and there's uh, so that that butt shot that you guys talked butt about. Shot. And the, <laughs> what would you what'd you, what'd you call it? The I don't know if on the uh, fall open page. The fall open the fall page. Fall open page. I never yeah, heard of that have... before. The last commentary. Yeah, yeah. that was really good. That, that was a good uh, day in the office. Yeah. And Shy came in and was like, "Look what happens <laughs> when somebody drops the comic." Yeah. See. That's the follow. Do you, do you put the follow up? And there's a there's a comic book where I learned that from is there's a comic book that is very terrible that always sold really well, and I can never figure out why. And the reason it always sold really well is that when it falls open, it falls open to like hardcore gratuitous sex, and I think people saw the book and they're like, mm, "Fuck, I'm on this." So did you, you do that intentionally? Is that what you're no, saying? it just sort of worked out. I think it just worked yeah, out. Yeah, so like rearrange pages and stories <laughs> and <laughs> stuff out. The reason and... why it took us so long to get the first issue done is Joe and I. We were doing we scientific need some, testing, some filler, and <laughs> we read some... the whole story around right. that fall <laughs> we, open page. We actually we did some engineering tests. We did some uh, 3D models to get it so that when it hits, it would just falls exactly. Dropped exactly it from different to angles the, to it, make sure. Yes, exactly. Because mm-hmm. then you flip to the next page and there's fucking. So it's you get. You get the panty shot, which sucks you in, and then the fucking, which you're like, well, I gotta see how this happened, that these two people are having sex. And that's, that, kids, is storytelling, is what that is. That is how comics work. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, we find, see, do, should we spoil the first issue, what happens at the end, if we're doing commentary here? Yes, yes. we're fine. We're good. Okay. If anybody who is listening well, to this who has not read the comic, there's something wrong with them. And you because can, well, well, the first issue of the comic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you can also say you know spoilers. Ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it should go without saying. If if we're doing commentary on this issue, it's like we're we're spoiling it, and we're we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're taking enhancing it, it and uh, giving you some insider knowledge on it. Yes. So at the end, you you tell us. So yes. at, at the, the end, end of the, all first the friends issue. all go their separate ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's really sure. We're not really sure who's going to do what and who's going to go where. Um, and our final shot is uh, Billy, who's the one who did not get a letter, uh, going back down into the bunker to do some more searching to try and find out who he becomes. And instead, he discovers a future version of Grady. And that's where it ends. And that's where it, that's ends. Where it ends. Bam. Okay, so now, everyone, turn to page one, including people listening at home. The beat. Who needs... Matt, you going to provide us with a beat? A uh, <laughs> drunken beat, please. All right, so go ahead, you guys... Give us a commentary. 
What do you want to say about this first page? Uh, James, you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about the first version of the script? The first version of the script. Well, no, it was funny because uh, this issue in particular, uh, you know, there's always little, not always, but usually little changes that happen between script drafts. Um, but this issue in particular was uh, completely different, like a page one rewrite different uh, from how it ended up. And it was actually, Robin and I both liked the previous draft of that issue. It was Joe. That, that, Joe spoke out. That was like... I think I wasn't sure, though, because I called you. like As yeah, soon as no, I turned it in, I was like, I don't know if this works or not. Bit. You might have even said something in your email that yeah. you sent the script with. Something yeah. along like that. Well, was, I'm not off. quite sure. Well, it's hard. The hard. I smell blood, and then I go in for the kill. There you go. The hard part was that because you're doing, you're going from, like the the format change was actually a big deal. Like going from the digital shorts, which have like a certain amount of story depth, because you're doing you know only so many pages, and so because of that, like you sort of structurally are doing different things with cliffhangers and with you know pacing and and how you cover all these characters. So it's okay to focus on one character for you know twelve pages in a way that it's not okay to focus on one character for twenty two pages. Um, and so it became so that was the challenge so the original draft was all five all six characters all kind of woven together um, where we were following all of them simultaneously and as they kind of re-engage with each other and start to meet you know and start to kind of actually flesh things out one on one instead of as this you know cacophonous group they start you know figuring out what's going to happen and where they're going to go but with that issue, like for me, and I could be wrong because we're on, f- f- I'm writing six right now. Yeah, you just so we're through five. five. Five was in good shape. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, but so like, five, like two through five, now like two. The original draft of two ended up kind of serving as almost an outline for what was going to come because like we didn't divert from it too much. Like we're actually pretty close still, but it actually because it was like it was as densely packed as the new the issue the print issue number one where it was that much story just kind of crammed into those pages um and i think there was there was a moment when we when james and i talked about well you know we don't actually have to run like we don't have to run anymore like people yeah like people like the book people care about these characters like let's just spend time with the characters you know what was your beef joe what was your beef about the thing that nobody will ever see? Uh, well, I mean, it sounds pretty rough, but it felt like it wasn't in line with what we had established in the first five or first four digital chapters at that point. Because we were, we were doing the issue at the same time as we were doing the fifth digital one. And so and building the so pre issue. Right, so we only had the four digital episodes at that point. And... Uh, the story seemed to kind of fall more on kind of like genre, um, like a, a more kind of standard genre kind of thing. There were like f- shadowy figures. There were I spoiler. Think, well, but these weren't. But these weren't. They didn't feel the same way as what's kind of coming ahead. Yeah. I think by like you say though. But I think having spent the time, we get to kind of build up to that more. So that when think, we have our next, our you know, kind of arc, arc closing, holy shit moment, right? Like it feels earned in a way that I don't think it did when it was just an issue to get us there, right? Yeah. And I, but I think if I remember correctly, 
what may have, you know, we the shadowy figures that we may know when we encounter them in the issues now, mm. we didn't. We had no sense of who they would yeah. be then. Yeah. And it felt very like, okay, so wait a second, there's like a third party kind of clandestine organization or something that seems to know what's going on. It seemed like to indicate that there was a third party or mm-hmm. something that was aware of what had right. happened rather than what I like about it was like these this core group of friends that this kind of profound thing happened to them that had huge global ramifications and the five of them and the way they interact were basically kind of the hanging in the balance of that yeah. like what they you know their kind of strange and screwed up friendship was going to possibly have like global ramifications right it's also and that's the hard thing about writing comics is uh we're so genre driven there's structure and like you expect you know like i write a lot of comics for marvel and i've written a lot of comics for dc and like you those books have a structure to them that makes them palpable so you know exactly exactly what to expect from the book before you ever pick it up because you know there's going to be you know a fight on page there's going to be punches thrown by page five there's going to be a big giant battle by page 16 and then you're going to wrap everything up on page 20 you're going to wrap everything up on page 19 and have a cliffhanger on page 20 Mm -hmm. you know like that's the structure of of those comics and doing a book like this that's like it's it's genre and concept and in no other way like it doesn't feel it should never like we talk again like we talk about like it should never feel like a genre book right it should always it should feel like a character drama that just happens to have this like wacky this wacky sci-fi premise that sets these characters in motion you know which i think is what people responded to tony is that what you responded to tony yeah wackiness yeah it was just it was different because you know I, i i love the superhero books but this is something different and and you don't know what you're going to expect, or you don't know what to expect. Me neither. I have no idea what's going to come out. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> so things get in motion. So we're back now on the issue as it is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Unless, unless you guys. No, want... no, no. I just for for the listeners. Yes. I want to I want to point out on page two, panel five. Uh, Joe is continuing the trend for. For, for sexy butts, butts. <laughs> I have to you know it's, and, I'm and now Joe re- refresh my memory was that in the script or were you like <laughs> it's equal opportunity yeah. I'm just trying to appeal to everybody so I mean, that's, nobody's that's, being left uh, unbutted that's the eye candy <laughs> in this issue that's yeah. the thing you get to see some Grady crack <laughs> I think that might actually be worth for a print ad we can have the this, this is a different kind of comic and then just that panel <laughs> with a fat guy's with a, with a fat guy's ass crack as he gets milk out of the fridge. Yeah, I mean, he is kind of like a bit of a slob. If you look at some of the things going on in his apartment, there's like kind of a microwave with a nice roll of toilet paper in front and a <laughs> coffee, you know, like a coffee disposable cup there and pizza boxes in the background. And, and my favorite touch are the fly paper hanging from the ceiling. So yeah, that's good. He's a little disheveled. He's not like, you know, he hasn't got it together. So, again, we're going to spoil everything. We're we're talking beat by beat. So, Grady gets a a mysterious package. And he opens up, and there's a newspaper in there. Who sent the paper? He doesn't know. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's a story point we've talked about. Because there is, you know, we sort of... 
when you do a book that's this complicated, you have a responsibility to pay attention to how people are reacting to it. Like, I think about Lost and, like, what I've heard from people who worked on, like, when you listen to people who worked on Lost. And they were certainly aware that there were people grumbling, but they weren't clear on why. And so we, it's something, like, we talk about the books, and, like, when we talk to other people about the books, we will hear things that people, people see in the book that aren't there and things like that. And so the question of this note and the, the FedEx that it brought, that brought it, is something that, like, for me, I totally took for granted. Is like, this is a clear thing that people will understand. Um, but it actually becomes something that becomes really important, you know, in a relatively future, relatively soon future issue. Yeah, that question. James was looking at me like, you haven't told me this. No, no, no. Yeah. No, well, I was thinking that actually that that was one of the other changes in this issue was, yeah. the, was the FedEx package. Yeah. That's not how we originally got it. Right, yeah. Well, it was, it? It was, well, yeah, the, the idea was... Um, the question became like, well, is that the only stuff they ever get? Is what they got from from the bunker the only stuff they get? But we already set up that there's thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of stuff in there, right? So logistically, like they're going to keep getting, learning more and getting more information. But the idea that Grady, that that Billy, who we're assuming is Billy from the future, has somehow found a way to send a packet, has sent this package to him FedEx. Well, there's also the fact that, that we have Grady. Right. The, in, the, in the first issue, he's he's there, old right. Grady. So it makes sense if, if Grady can go into the present, maybe FedEx found a way to. Maybe FedEx has invented time travel. <laughs> yeah. That is a go. really Send long that way back to go, me. Tony. That's a long, that is a long. But, you know, again, we better have to, we're going to have to answer. We're going to show there's going to be an entire uh, section in, one of, in a future issue that is all about FedEx's policies about time travel. About how how you can t- you can use packages for time travel, but you cannot send it to yourself. Mm, interesting. You can only send it to other people. That's the way it works. Or rocket engines. Or, you still can't yeah. send rocket engines. Yeah, that's dangerous. Even into the past. No explosives. Yeah, no explosives. <laughs> that's fair. All right. So so Grady gets a, a newspaper from Billy, and it, it's showing future events, and and Bill, and Billy's like, this has to happen. This horrible tragedy. Front page paper. And Grady's gonna be a hero, and so so then he's got this dilemma. It's like, well, he sees that this crappy thing is gonna happen. Should he let it happen, like the note says, or should he do something else? And it the 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 change between this draft and the original draft of the script. Part of part of where the idea of the letter came from is that we have to give them palp. Uh, uh, I keep saying palpable because I'm tired. Uh, we have to give them like concrete examples of what their challenges are going to be. It's about how you know finding ways to take the thematic question of of the series in a big way, which is the idea of what would you do? Would you throw everything away to save the many? Would you sacrifice the few? You know, would you sacrifice the things you want in order to save the world, and and vice versa? You know, um, would you sacrifice the world to get yourself what you want? And so to give Grady that choice and just get to it and have him put in a position where he has no option but to choose what his path is going to be, I think, is, is really important. Um, and it's something that with every issue that we do, it's the, it's the thing we talk about is how do, you, how do you put the characters in a way that they can't, that they can't escape, that there is no good choice, there is no good option. You know, and what I like in this issue is that you get to see Grady 
Grady and Billy both get that same thing, and they both have to deal with it in totally different. They both deal with it in totally different ways that that reveal character and reveal who they really are. All right, I have a question. I don't know how this works. So that the newspaper is the San Francisco Chronicle. Is 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 there any? <laughs> is there anything? Like, are you allowed to use actual, you know, newspapers? <laughs> we can maybe edit yeah, this later. Well, <laughs> actually, this is just a photo from of the, the newspaper. I I didn't make any of this up. I'm just saying. I know. I, you know <laughs> oh, I get about. it. Yeah. So this is a real page. Okay. No, but I mean, as far as like the San Francisco Chronicle goes, I I did use a different font. Okay, that's what I was actually going to. We're free and clear. Yeah, I was, I was actually asking because I'm not saying it's like it looks. If I don't, I don't read a paper because who reads actual newspapers? Because <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's it, the weirdest thing is when when I walk to the office, I, I I go by this like bus terminal, and there's always this lady at the corner, and she's selling the Chronicle. She's like half price for the Chronicle, but like just right there, there's there's machines there, so it's like. She's selling them on the corner, even though there's machines there, and I, I don't understand why she's doing. Why wouldn't people just go to the machine buy it? Because she's, she's selling. She's is she stealing them. That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> is she going there every? But they, would, I think they would know if you're only putting a, a quarter in or whatever, and, then all the and taking up, they're like every day we're just getting a quarter. Who's taking all? The, you know, they would do something about it. I think the uh, art of becoming a professional newspaper thief is not one for the uh, the large-minded of the world, so I think presuming that she has this thing somehow worked out that far, that she will get caught, it might not be... Might well, not be unless, maybe she's going to a different one. But how much does a paper cost now? They cost, I would, like, they don't still cost a quarter? Because I would know if the price was $12.25. Dollar 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 I'd like... So, it's, so I'd she's like making like was, what seventy five cents a paper. Yeah, it's a lot of profit it's in there. <laughs> so, so my point was, I was, I was thinking because from what I recall, that the font looks similar, but it's like it looks a little different too. So I'm just you know, the legality of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to be like. It's also clearly not real. I think it'd be different if we were trying to like pass it off as real or using an existing photograph. Why are we right. talking about copyright law? Right, next page. It's late. <laughs> So, what do we want to say about this page here? So, here now we we kind of pick up. Oh, so there's been some some uh, time has passed from the first issue to this this page here because in the last issue it's like Grady's from the future, and here it's like he's already there. He's eating cereal. So obviously, <laughs> I like the idea, and I think about this because when I go to a city that I used to live in or that I missed, the first thing I do is go to the restaurants that I used to love. And he's coming back to like there, you know. He's coming from this like bleak, this bleak future where there's nothing. And I know that if I was living in a post-apocalyptic world, and I was suddenly told like you can totally have cereal again after not having cereal for twenty years, that is what I would do. That would be like number one. Would be having cereal. Is that just me? That's just, everyone in the room is looking at me like I'm an idiot. No, no, no. What? No. Well, <laughs> no, I think it would be cereal, but I think everybody has something. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's a good little note to touch on with older Grady because it gives him a little bit of gray as far as like he's just not any one note. He's kind of a little bit more. He's got a kind of. It's, I like the scenes where he's talking about food because yeah. they're kind of funny. They're just so well, and it's counterpoint it's compared the, to the and, and all that's going on. And it's like a fun counterpoint because Grady Grady One is we call him. We call him Grady One and Grady Two. I don't know if we talked about that last time. I don't think so. Because I'm stupid. You're actually in all scripts. Here's a pro tip: all scripts you're never supposed to have two characters with the same name because it makes autofill not work. 
Um, but I have foolishly, instead of doing young Grady with a Y and old Grady with an O, with an O, instead I have done Grady 1 and Grady 2, which is a huge fucking pain in the ass. Um, I have to type the whole word every time. That's, oh I'm, losing, I'm losing valuable <laughs> seconds constantly. Um, At least 10 well, per script. That's true. It also ties back into that that scene in the first issue, yeah. too, with, with the old Grady and... and uh, yeah, he's eating the and cereal. And Natasha, where he's yeah. eating the cereal, but standing up because like, he can't... He doesn't have time to... Yeah. Yeah, and he does have. He that's literally what the bunker gives him is the bunker gives him time, like it's giving him time to remake the world, and so he's sitting down with his legs up. So we get to the one that that your fiance found that is my proudest achievement, or is that in the new script? The uh, thing, the thing she thought was an error. Oh, that is uh, in fact me being brilliant. Ooh, I know. I think it is in this issue. I thought. Remember when we get you? Because she's only read. Up until the finished ones, yeah, she's only read the finished ones. It's you rarely, as a writer, like you try and do like little subtle things that you assume no one will ever notice. And the best thing happened when Joe was like, "Oh, by the way, there's a mistake in the book," and he told me what it was, and I was like, "Motherfucker, I'm in your face, (laughs) yeah, in your face." (laughs) All right, so going back to this page, my my question is like, what you know? Because Billy, obviously, it's like it would kind of be a little weird. If all of a sudden one of your fr- an older version of your friend arrives and is like, "How did you get here?" would be like the first question, and and you know he says like start at the beginning, so maybe great. I, yeah, I mean, what I wanted was the like the idea is that Grady too is such a force of nature that Billy, and I think you get that through the rest of the issue that Billy is just like barely able to like control him, yeah. and then again like that goes back to the thing with the difference between the two of them is that Grady one is sort of uptight. And sort of so, like his energy is all nervous, and Grady too is just like who fucking cares? I'm king of the world. Like I destroyed everything. What's gonna happen? What's the worst <laughs> thing that can happen to me right now? Yeah, there's like a a lack of fear consequences. Yeah, a laissez-faire attitude to him that is important. Like it's important for later on, and it's something that we get to explore and kind of play with. Um, issue five is our not to jump too far ahead, but like issue five is sort of our Grady two is our Grady two issue. Um, and it's all from stuff that's kind of planted in these few kind of brief scenes. So, when are or I don't know if if you want to reveal this or not, but are, are you gonna like like put off like how, when we find out how Grady traveled through time? Yes, because because I mean I mean I I want to know, but it's like I wouldn't I, that that's another cool mystery to have. Yeah. So it's like I wouldn't want to know that right away. Even though, yeah, there's a thing. There's actually something I didn't think of that show. That we, one of the nice things about these shows is that Joe and I have spent like a million hours together and can't stand each other anymore. We're really we're breaking up. Um, no, but like we've gotten to spend all this time together, and so it's it's one of the fun things. And you know, having having James and Robin, having all of us able to just talk about the book and what you know what we're doing, and uh, like and from those conversations. You know, there's something that Joe pointed out, which I'd never thought of. That's like a really obviously, it's an obvious thing that's kind of hidden in the book already. Um, that explains a lot of stuff, and it's one of those things like you hear it, and my immediate response is like, I want to do that now. But it's about like I'm blanking on what I even said. Well, I can't say it because we're recording. Yeah. All right, everyone, mute your. your (laughs) We're on mute now. Uh, It's safe. (laughs) There's something about friendship being magic. I could be wrong. Mm. Oh no, no, I think I, I, no, it's not that. You know what okay. it is? No, yeah. I'll tell you later. 
I'll make a note. But I, you know, I haven't talked to Josh about this, but I've been. He he said to me at one point, he says, you know, I, I want I want you to be illustrating a book that you. I want you to be drawing what you want to draw. And I've been kind of the one thing in the back of my mind is I'd like to see a little bit of the time travel itself. I'd like to have maybe some view from the other side at some point. And it doesn't have to be like you know like a kaleidoscopic sort of like thing through time, but I'd like to get a little bit of the, on the on the time machine aspect of it. It's the it's the TARDIS. That's actually I it haven't told anybody yet. But it turns out it's actually Doctor Who. This is my way. I only got to write so many issues of Doctor Who, and this is my way to to get <laughs> to back at it. All. Mm-hmm. How do you move something that big? There's only one way to do it, and it's a TARDIS. So the bunker is really a TARDIS. No, the TARDIS was no, the bunker was in the TARDIS. Uh, you see. Okay. And the podcast. Thanks for reading. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's a lawsuit already. <laughs> our, we, our, did, did we? T- oh, we haven't gotten there yet. There's you. You brought something up to me also. About our next few scenes. Okay, what, 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 remind me. Should we, are we... About your, um, about, it's set in San Francisco, and there is some... Well, that, that's at the end. Yeah, but it's, we start seeing it here. This is your neighborhood. This is your hood, man. Oh, I, I, was, I was looking at, because I was on the Berkeley page. I was like, I'm not in Berkeley. No, no, well, we move into, we move into San Francisco. Okay. Oh, I'm ahead of you, that's So why. now we're with Heidi and Grady. Is that what this is? Yeah, that's what are? I'm talking about. Yeah, we're with Heidi and Grady now, and they're, uh... Yeah, they're in the streets of San Francisco, and there's a particular location that you had told me that you wanted I, to meet. Yeah, I don't know. I picked a coffee shop that I liked, but then through sheer happenstance, Tony pointed out to me that they're actually starting incredibly close to the Comic Vine offices. Uh-huh. Ah. And I, I mean, is it because there's this huge catastrophe happening? I like and the then thing. You, you want it to be close to where I am. They don't know the source of the explosion is actually the com. That's going to be one of the big twists to reveal is that the bomber is in fact uh, a mad, a mad Tony G. Okay, that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to go cop for getting one too many threes. Yeah, mm, that's true. I come back for revenge. Yeah, it all. It's it sort of it is. Now. It's like an idle threat, sort of. No, no. Miles off me. <laughs> Joe, you you told me. I don't know if, if this is like a like a secret no, thing that you did because I, I thought it was very clever when, when you were you were drawing the San Francisco scenes and I didn't yeah. even think that I mean it's it's such an obvious tool right that I don't think a lot of artists actually use you know it was funny I was looking at the uh, I was looking at uh, the sex criminals trade today and I was looking in the back and I think uh, Chip Zdarsky mentions that he uses. Google Maps. Okay. So that's it's it's out. The secret's out. It's Google Maps. Are you doing the street view? Yeah. What I do is I do the street view. And so Josh, for example, gave me you know the address of this coffee shop, and then so the scene follows as they you know she's sitting there waiting for me. And they go for a walk, and so I actually did the street view walk. And when we encounter them later, you know there's a specific corner that they're at at the bottom of I guess the next page. And then the closing of the scene, it's them standing in front of uh, another coffee shop, what is actually, in fact, another coffee shop with a striped uh, awning. And that's an actual building on that street a few blocks away. So uh, wherever possible, I've tried to make it as 
truthful as possible. So if you are in San Francisco and you're reading this, you, can you would have like <laughs> you would have the bad reality. You might have that kind of like Ugh. put a little, little sticker in the windows like mm-hmm. the bunker. Well, you know, down, down, down the, the road we have to. You know, we'll be providing Which, tours, bunker tours of uh, totally San Francisco. Double decker bus and look to your left, and you'll see. Well, he won't have an office left, so he'll have. That's all he'll have left. <laughs> yeah, I got to do something to make a living. Do some tours. That's something. The using the real addresses and like real places is something I'm borderline obsessed with. If uh, for people who've read my book Tumor, uh, there's a scene where uh, the main character follows. There's a dirty cop that he has a relationship with, and the dirty cop he follows the dirty cop home and breaks into his house. And that house is actually my old landlord's house. Like I used, and I lived behind that house. For you don't like time. your landlord's? No, I did. I just Break into this nice, guy's they house. Had like the, they had a really nice house for it. Like I saw when I thought of like how it would be because he's a cop and he's a dirty cop, and their house is like kind of nice. Like it's nicer than what a cop could afford, but like about right for what like a moderately dirty cop could afford. Um, <laughs> but in that book, is I had no like I did with that book because I don't Google Maps wasn't Street View wasn't as good as it is now and so I literally went and I walked to the train station which is where they start and I took pictures the whole way hmm. and if you look at it like you can figure out where I lived at the time you can go to my you can go visit my old house alright so so briefly Tumor was another great book is that still in print or is that uh, it is out of print but I've heard that there's a publisher who's going to do a new version of it sometime in the not too distant future okay so mm, cool. serious, so people need to Either track down. I think it's off Comicsology too. I don't think it's available anymore. All right, so so keep but you it, can find it. You can still find it, and it is uh, egregiously underpriced. So it's very cheap. It's it's, it's a cool cool yeah. book. Yeah, I, I, like, I, that. I like that. Um, so and Echoes takes place in my na- in my hometown where I grew up, um, and so that's also like and Rasan did all it's all my neighborhoods. So you go on the tour of my hometown <laughs> that I have filled with a serial killer killing children now, who were now, mean to me in high school. <laughs> fuckers. Right. Pig fuckers. Going back to Tumor, <laughs> with, with like this coffee shop, did you ever think about like, like maybe I should reach out to this coffee shop and say, hey, do you want a free plug? Sponsor, give me some money. James, well, can we I think we this? already did that with FedEx. There you go. FedEx paid us FedEx a lot can of money. time travel. Yeah. FedEx would. They're like, Who would you go we're with? Done. UPS if you Stock do that? goes up. It's like, I went back to the future to use Western I Union. I wanted to use. You know that I should. I don't know why I didn't call you. There's that coffee shop that's sort of around here. That's like a communist coffee shop. You know what I'm talking about? I don't. Don't around go to here? communist. No, no, coffee shop. <laughs> no, no, I have never. I, I have never gone. gone to the we communist don't speak about the communist <laughs> coffee shop. There's a there's a there's a coffee shop that's in that's like in downtown San Francisco by the Moscone and by all that stuff that's like a communist it's like a communist and I remember going there and they play Tom Waits all the time and I was like this place is great so you go out and yelp and like communist coffee shop and it'll I look I tried really hard and I couldn't find it so maybe it's closed because the problem with being communist is it's not a great way to make money yeah. it's really an ineffective <laughs> but, <laughs> San Francisco rents yeah <laughs> but that, that's something you could do like you know when, when they do those like retailer exclusive kind mm-hmm. of like your comic shop on the covers, like you can do your coffee shop or whatever page. <laughs> you know, pay us like whatever that. rate and you know, adds to the authenticity. So do we want to say anything else about the scene? So they're walking through the city. Grady so Grady's talking to his friend Heidi, who's supposed to be at, at on the scene when this bad thing happens. Well he the whole thing is orchestrated because he sees that Heidi is the photo credit on uh, the newspaper at the beginning. And so he knows picture. that she needs to play a role. She needs to take that photo. And so in, in some ways, I think ultimately he just... 
he decides to orchestrate the events as they sh- as he feels they should be, and so that's why he needs Ivy. And the idea that it's a selfish act to some degree that like he's assuming he's going to put everyone in the right place and that nothing's going to happen to his like childhood best friend is such yeah. a shitty thing to do. So that even like the process of deciding if he's going to do a shitty thing is a shitty thing. But he has yeah. to assume that she's going to be okay. Well, I mean, she takes a picture, but I guess right. but something could have happened later, and yeah. she some picture. Hey, here's a phone. Could have been her dying picture. Yeah. yeah, and then like a. I frequently take pictures when I'm about to die, just in case. <laughs> it's the sort of thing I do. I'm into it's a it. reflex. Now, now, how did you figure out, like you know how much page or how much story to do before so because then the scene it, we cut back to the bunker right so I mean it is you know from a storytelling perspective is that like fair I was like okay I'm gonna have the scene go on this long and then cut you know build suspense go to the next scene I you just kind of do it I don't just, know just wanna, I mean I don't know if there's like a trick or a formula it's just time time to move you do as much like we you every scene is a cliffhanger that's how I like everything I write is like a series of cliffhangers and the idea is that the smaller like panel to panel should be a cliffhanger like you want to read the next panel because what happens in the first panel hooks you and you want to turn the page because what happened at the bottom of that page made you need to see what happens on the next page so that's and that's sort of how I do everything which is I think like which in a book like this, and that's the thing, is doing what is essentially a relationship book with that kind of feel is, I think, part of what makes people, uh, part of why people kind of latch into the book, is that it's two people talking, but it's it's very nervous. Well, yeah. I mean, it's so deliberate. The pacing in that whole sequence is so deliberate. Like, the, like my favorite part of that whole thing is when Heidi drops the cigarette. When she, like, because that's, that's like when she buys in, like... Yeah, because it's the minute you make a decision. Like that's the moment when you're when you're a smoker. <laughs> no, it is no, when no, you're a seriously. smoker and you throw down a cigarette that's not a just a you know just a filter. It's because you're making a point. Yeah, you know. Was that in the script? Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. When we do I'm a script curious. book, we'll find out whether I'm taking credit for you or not. <laughs> well, no, no, there's no credit being stolen. I was just curious. I also drew the book. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so, something I, I guess we can look forward to. So, Grady is he? Who's present day Grady? Is that one or two? One. Okay, Grady one gets gets this newspaper from Billy, and we can assume it's from future Billy because you know what? Like, I didn't assume that when I got the script. I thought, oh, maybe they somehow were able to get the FedEx. Maybe I I thought, and I'm it's I'm not saying it's right or wrong, okay. but I my thought was that it was something from directly from the bunker that they had sent, because uh, I kind of felt like there was going to be something going to be happening in the bunker that was now that Grady and uh, the old Grady and Billy were there. And that that idea of that misassumption, because Grady's Grady sees it, Grady would see it the other way. Grady's immediate response would be, well, I was told not to tell anybody about that. I was told to keep this to myself. I was told that this is my, that I'm the only one who can do this and the only one who can know this stuff. So he wouldn't immediately call Billy and be like, what the fuck is this? Because he doesn't know. He doesn't know which Billy sent it to him. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. And that tension, that tension, again, is like, for me, is so much of the fun of the book. Mm -hmm. Is that 
because that's what we do. Like you, you, someone says a word to you. Someone sends you an email, right, about something mundane, but they phrase it in a certain way that sends you off into a spiral of filling in the story for yourself and telling yourself the story. Like if you don't like that person or you're having a fight with that person and they just say this just the one word wrong you assume that that word is on purpose Mm -hmm. you said the thing that was going to hurt me or you said the thing you know you said exactly what you meant and so that that to me is such a real thing that we all cope with and deal with i think it like i think again it's 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 doing i think for science fiction to to work it has to be super specific because super specific makes it feel almost broader because we've all had situations that are like those and so when you show the specifics it really it almost drives it home you know and how you can understand it word I'm really now I'm at the point where I'm tired and I'm just blathering so alright so what we see in a bunker um, Grady 2 older Grady Tells Billy, he's like, oh, this bad thing is going to happen, and Grady's going to, you know. And, and Billy kind of freaks out. He's like, you can't let this happen. So obviously this is something that has to be addressed later that, you know, present-day Billy is, like, against this. But then it turns out that Billy ends up sending the paper. So somewhere down the line, he has to come around. It's like, okay, maybe we do have to let this happen because things have to happen yeah. to move along. So that's something that we'll see later. Right? Maybe. 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 <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. Should we want to say anything? Well, it's, well that's the, and that stuff is what we were talking about earlier, with the idea of how you have these two characters who start off at the beginning of this. You know, at the beginning when we meet them in the first issue, like they're they're diametrically opposed to each other. You know, like Billy's sort of coarse and selfish and uninterested in people, and Grady's the one who's like the great, the friend and the communicator, the leader, the leader like the one who believes himself to be a great man. You know. Uh, and then the second they're both presented with the exact same horrible situation, one of them is like, what the fuck? Come on, let's fix this! And the other one is like, well, it's just destiny, I guess. I'm just going <laughs> to accept it. You know, like the idea that the two of them, that one takes a passive route and one takes an active route. And that the ones who do that are sort of the opposite of who you would expect. And that, again, like it's about... The first issue is so filled with questions and and topsy-turviness that it was really important for me like the thing that became clear is it became important to show like here's where we're starting and here's where we're going so this this issue serves as like a microcosm of what you know the journey that the the book is going to be you know is now in in future microcosm i've said like three times too i'm really i'm I'm using big words now that uh, the only ones that are left (laughs) (laughs) so is uh is the 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 main part of the series going to stay in the present and like you know move normally through time or because we we saw the 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 flash forwards i guess mm-hmm. are, are we ever going to see things again from the future or is it just... in this issue in fact okay like but... <laughs> we're almost there stay with us stay with us i mean it's technically not a flash yeah. forward yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, no, like it flashes forward after we see the video. Then we flash oh, forward. that's that's a good point. No, you know the idea again. So, uh, having done other media stuff, um, not maybe even with the bunker, who knows? One of the things that kind of comes up a lot is about format and the the true joy. At the end of the day, the thing about comics that are amazing 
is that we're much less beholden to format. That we can do stuff, that we can try stuff, and we can experiment. And so, you know, we do issues that are predominantly set in the... Well, there's issues in the future that are set in the future. There's issues we're going to get to that are going to be mostly in the future. Okay. There's issues that are going to be single moments. There's issues that are going to... Like, we get to play with all that stuff. And, you know, having... I think that's part of what attracts people to the book too is that like it's weird and it's it's its own it's its own book that can be its own thing. And I guess there's also the possibility which you know I, I don't want you to uh, confirm or deny that the the future could possibly change. And and that's something else that so if we're seeing things in the future, you know, because we've seen a lot of the future already, but obviously they in the present they could decide to do something different what right. they know and that can essentially erase or rewrite the future and then so you you're gonna have like a big mess and making sure you're, you're keeping track of it all that's why we have Robin here <laughs> do you want to talk about your about our timeline it's still pretty simple it hasn't gotten too unruly it hasn't yet. gotten too unruly yeah. uh, because the flash forwards have not been as prominent as they were yeah. in issue one yeah um but when we got the script for issue one and when I came on as co-editor uh, one of the first tasks that I had was uh, making a timeline that we share internally and uh, keeping track of what year stuff happens even if the year is not stated which it is not always well it's a lot of it's like doing math and like doing yeah. the, like if he was here if he was president by here and he was running here then that means this had to have happened here yeah and because it's something that like again it's partly I'm just not smart enough, but like I can't keep it. I can't keep it straight. I need I need the story to happen the way the way the story needs to happen. And what's been great is having the support that we can make sure it also makes sense on top of that. Yeah, and it's not just uh, like the future and the past keeping straight. It's also like, well, in you know the apocalyptic future, Heidi did not. Is this too spoilery? Heidi did not. You know this. Heidi did not go after her uncle. She went after him but didn't kill him. Right. Um, but in the current timeline, like, that how's is that maybe... Yeah, how's yeah. that going to play out? Yeah, and why? And all Because Heidi gets that letter, you know, and her letter is like, go after him, you're going to kill him. Even though... Even though future she Heidi doesn't. actually. Yeah. So, so there's... Which is a, a key thing. Like, that's the... Like, the reason that stuff is in the first issue is that y- you lie to yourself. Like, we lie to ourselves every day. Mm-hmm. When you're lying, when you're talking to your younger self, you're not going to tell them the truth. You're not going to tell them that you were a coward. You're not going to tell them that you did the wrong thing. You're going to tell them what you think they need to hear. And, you know, that that conversation, telling, telling young Heidi, you're going to do this thing and it's good, is a way of absolving herself into doing it. You know? Because she didn't have the balls to do it, but if someone had told her that she'd already done it and then it works out, then maybe yeah. she'll do and it. It's kind of an interesting thing where yeah. you know her future self kind of also absolves herself of doing it at all because right. she's telling a completely different Heidi to do it. Well, that's a, like one of the really fun things about again about writing the book is it's that that question. It, it always kind of circles back to the idea of how do we how do you cope if if you knew how the the path of your life was going to go. The story I tell, and I, like, uh, I think how much of it to tell, but, like, I, I think about how I got to, like, where I am in my life and how, you know, I left, uh, I sold a TV pilot, which is why I moved to L.A., um, and I left Boston on September 9th, 2001. 
and was in New York on September 10th, 2001, and then drove to Pittsburgh to my parents' house, went to sleep, woke up, September 11th had happened. And September 11th, you know, first of all, like, my, you know, like, everything stopped, and I was in Pittsburgh, which is right by where the, the third plane went down, and, um, but as sort of a side effect of everything that happened, the pilot, like, the deal for the pilot went away. And I'd thrown my whole life away to, like, go and do this thing that just suddenly disappeared. But I decided, like, well, all right, so I'll go anyway. So those things, those things happen, and they get me to L.A., and then I moved to L.A., and then I moved in next door to a guy who was a big comic book nerd. Like, just so happened the apartment I rented was next door to a guy who was a comic book nerd. And that guy just so happened to uh, need a PA, and I was a PA. And so I started working for him, and then we became friends, and I started reading comics again, and that's what launched me into doing comics. And my wife, the reason why my wife went out with me was because I had, I was a published author. Like, I wasn't just some schmuck who liked comic books. It's because <laughs> I published a book. And then I went out with her on our first date, and, like, the second we met each other, we got married, and we knew we were going to get married. And then we have a daughter and a house and, uh, you know, and I have a career and all that stuff. And it's literally all just, like, because of timing because this thing that had nothing to do with me this horrible thing that had no like direct impact on my life this horrible thing happened that completely changed the course of my life you know and and the idea that we go on these journeys as people and that we have no way of knowing like if i would go back and tell myself if i were to look at that situation i would say to myself like do not quit your job you had a good job <laughs> you, like liked your job but the reality is that all the things that happen, all the sadness and all the trouble and fighting and all that stuff is what led me to get to where I am. And sitting yeah. next to me in the which hotel is, room. Which is quite literally bed. quite literally a dream come true. So that's what future self will tell you. Yes, exactly. So as a young Grady, present day Grady, or present day Billy is talking to future Grady... <laughs> It's not complicated at all. This book is, it's essentially... uh, That's why people are reading at home so they they can follow along. So they they know what I mean. So young Billy gets a message. We need to put page numbers. We need to start putting page numbers in the book. Mm. You've got to be kind of discreet about that. Could do a little white one. Somewhere. Because you don't want to take away from the art. Like 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 this page. Where's it gonna be? Like and right on Billy's between his eyes, like, neck. Yeah, <laughs> one pupil, one other pupil, three <laughs> or four, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or if you can hide it somewhere in the background of the art. Uh, maybe not. No, I, I don't think I'll be. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that to work. Yeah, I don't need to have to figure out how to integrate numbers into. Because then, then then Josh will say, "Well, we got to change this around." And you know. I'm just look. I'm not saying anything, but Matt Kim could do it. So, come on, Joe. Oh, wow. That's low. <laughs> Awkward okay. silence. Take it away, Tony. <laughs> Actually, I think we're going to leave now. <laughs> so, there's a message from, from Future Billy. Right. So, that that's kind of feeding us some more information, like what's going on and because we know, obviously, or we, again, my assumption, you know, future Billy is, is making things happen. Somehow, present day Billy needs to be convinced. Get on the bandwagon. You know, we got to do this. This has to happen. And as we we get this message, we kind of it gets cut off. What's going on? And then we. I think the real headline that you're bearing here is that future Billy is a, a dead ringer for Joe and Fernari. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I think that's the real right. That's the real reveal. Yeah. 
is you see him and you're like, that looks exactly like the comic book artist superstar Joe Infernari. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Do you want to talk about how you see yourself as a future freedom fighter? Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I totally do. Now, see, I am having the opposite reaction to Josh, whereas Josh is now all like, palpable, palpable, microcosm, macrocosm. (laughs) I am just like turning into monosyllabic. Yeah. Uh... So my, the awkwardness with the Matt Kent thing was was not me necessarily defending him, but just sort of being really stupidly tired. I just I'm, I thought you were thinking to yourself like, oh, I'm not, I should do it, Matt Kent. I can't. Oh, and you got all sad. I thought it was more like like Josh is such a. I can't. <laughs> Matt Kent totally like Matt. That I mean, have you seen like their story? He tells a whole story in the mm-hmm. in the margins. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? I had spent almost every conversation with him saying like, ah, just how do you do that? Like, what is that? Because I don't understand. Like, do you do that ahead of time? You worked with them. Didn't you work with them? It, he uh, drew the tooth that uh, Colin Bunn right. wrote with uh, Sean. Yeah, no, Matt's crazy and, and brilliant and just, I think I think he's a guy who operates almost entirely on instinct. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't, I don't, th- I think, uh, what Hurt once described it as fire and forget. Like he doesn't, he doesn't dwell on it. He just kind of knows what he wants to do and just does it. Like even the like on that book, you know, we're totally sidetracking. But on mind management, like even the covers are this weird story that are like layered. Like, <clears throat> um, the covers on mind management, at least for the first arc, like uh, kind of zoom out as you go. They're all like kind of within one another and hmm. lead one into the to the next. Really? When you, yeah, when you set them all up. It's oh, weird. Crazy. Layers. Ugh, jeez. Ugh. Why aren't you doing commentary with him? <laughs> Maybe I am. Why are you wasting your time with us? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you got his number? Let me like call him right now. Is he here at the show? He is. He is? He is? Hmm. I haven't seen him. Yeah, yeah, we saw him in the old... Is he in his hotel room? Right. Just... He is. He's actually We'll just record over this one. <laughs> he's, actually, he's actually next door like sharpening a knife. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, we, so we got to, to them watching the video with future Billy, but the, the whole sequence before that where Grady just kind of plays him Play where Grady too just plays young Billy in terms of like getting him to do exactly what he wants him to do. Yeah. Um, and how much of that is him speaking the truth, and how much of that is just manipulation? Well, again, it's yeah. it's. I think one of the things that I've that I like about Grady is I think a lot of the time he's not he's not lying. He got where he got by telling the truth Grady too yeah Grady too because I think that the most powerful thing in the world is to actually speak the truth you know like the truth destroys things trust me I know <laughs> I have a long I have a long life of saying the wrong thing because it's true <laughs> um, you know and the idea that like he he's not wrong like if he does this brave thing he will spend the rest of his life in Guantanamo you know like he's not wrong about it but that doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do you know it's the selfish thing to do um which like I said I really wanted I hope what I hope with the second issue um and actually the whole first arc is something that we talked about is that by by doing like really firm foundation work in the first arc uh we can do the wacky shit 
you know, down the road because we know these characters and we know who they are and we know how they behave and we know what to expect from them so that we get... Um, there's moments in the second arc in, in 5 and 6 that are just like they work almost entirely by subverting you know what we know about them but then you realize that it's not that it's actually just who they are that we're getting to know them in a truthful way alright so maybe we should start to wrap this up since people are getting tired and different we're all tech. falling off <laughs> so and, and also it's like I don't even even though we're spoiling everything and you know people should read this and people shouldn't be listening to this if they haven't read the issue I don't I don't want to do play by play for the because towards the end, we start seeing some twists happening. Like, yeah. like that there's there's stuff that the way it appears, things are going. That there there's more, there, and and you know that's that's the hook for the, the next issue. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? So we we find out some stuff in the future. We we see like what happens after this video, and we start to see. And, and now we're like this panel here where we see this certain guy with mm. looking pretty pretty dang evil there. So that that's something that I assume is going to be playing out. I think so. We're gonna, we are going to get to see more. We're going to get to see more of these scenes, and we're going to get to see more of how we got to these scenes and what these scenes mean. And that's again, like that's sort of the fun the fun of it for me is that we get to we get to show you know little little bits and pieces, which is why also why we're not spending as much time in the future is we want to be able to lay track, and then we use the future to help reveal truth. In theory. Now, I think we went past the point where we we talked about that point that oh, yeah, my, yeah. Uh, my fiance had uh, brought up. Ah. Go back. Where is it? You remember where it is? Um, I don't know. She told she told me where it was, but I don't remember. I think it's during the conversation that they have uh, between Heidi and and Grady in uh, San Francisco, like from the coffee shop. We'll say what it is. You can just say what it okay, is. Okay, so at one point, as you may all recall, uh, Grady corrects Billy at the beginning of issue one when uh, Billy is just sort of like, this is retarded, like burying a time capsule. And Grady says, don't, don't say retarded. And I think at some point during his uh, walk here with Heidi, he does say that, oh yeah, he says that sounds retarded. That's actually at the, the top of the one page where mm-hmm. there are yes. just the shadows. He says, that sounds retarded. Top of eight. And Heidi says there's no non-ridiculous way to talk about this. And so the point I brought up with Josh was there's there's Grady saying retarded when he's, you know, seems to be sensitive to that kind of language in issue one. And Josh? Does anybody else want to guess why it's why it's on purpose? Anybody? No? It's because he's a hypocrite. Because he's a hypocrite. Because he's a guy who criticizes other people and acts mighty holier than thou, when the fact is that he's just as bad as everyone else. Hmm. Yeah, like it's one of my favorite, literally, like one of my favorite things in the script in the book. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I like that. And what it does is it sort of it's like a little thing that you could easily just gloss over, mm-hmm. but when you stop and think about it, it it is very telling. And now that we kind of know that everything is considered. And these little pieces of information are not necessarily by accident. It certainly lends everything else in the story so much more potential meaning. Like every little thing could be so much more telling, you know, especially when it is a mystery. What's going on with the future? How does this all play out? 
we so almost know what we're doing. We're like 80% certain <laughs> at all times. All right, so we got got the big cliffhanger at the end. What what how, how do you guys want to end this? What do, what do you want to well, leave, we leave the, us off with? The third issue, so the second issue uh, also sold out like the first issue, so uh, our big thing is you please pre-order. If you enjoy the book, um, even if you got a copy of issue two, still you need to tell your retailer to pre-order the book because if you don't, uh, the the thing is, James, you want, you want to talk about why why selling out sucks? Because I've done, I wrote a there was I wrote a Tumblr post about it a couple days ago. Talk about why selling out is not a good thing. Well, I mean, it, we don't want to limit our audience. We want the book to be out there and available, and, and particularly through this first arc until the trade paperback comes out. And you know, we can keep going back to press, but that that's not good for us either the, when we when you go have to go back to press it the print runs are more expensive for fewer copies uh, and yeah, it's it not cost it, effective it's it's less cost effective and it's not it, it makes it harder for us to to plan uh and schedule and it also makes it harder to keep momentum on the book because when you have a second printing you can get it into people's hands but you, you have to wait for three, three or four weeks, weeks right. after you've sold out the first time and in that time, who knows what's happened to the buzz on the book and like whether people are still talking and everything else. And we've been really lucky because our fans have been super passionate about this book and they've kept the conversation alive on social media and in their shops and everything else. But uh, every time we have to do that, every time we do a second printing, we're, we're kind of you know gambling with what we've made on the, on the first printing and, and just with the future of the book. Um, it, it's so much. It's so much easier for us to plan, and so much. Uh, there's so much more security just if, if we have those numbers up front that people are pre-ordering and letting their retailers know. And retailers are seeing the demand in their shops and making sure that they have you know copies for the stand. And, and, and even if you buy it, even if leadership. even if you buy it digitally and you don't buy it at your local shop, like just talking about the book and letting them know mm-hmm. what like what we found even just being here this weekend and talking to people about the book is if you tell people if you like the book and you tell people what the book is about they're gonna wanna check it out you know like it's the concept it's such a cool high concept that people really get sucked into it Um, and so the best way like if you wanna like we kinda you know we hinted a little bit about the things to come and like the best way to make sure that all that stuff comes is to keep talking about the book and letting people know you know that you like it and that you want to see it in stores yeah I agree because like, well, like when I reviewed this issue one of the comments was like this came out this week my store didn't have it and you know it could be you know maybe it sold out or because yeah. you know there, there the reality is a lot of times ish, second issues don't sell as much as first issue so retailers may be cautious like I need to reduce my you know yeah. my order by 30% yeah a lot of places just put their orders down by like 20% on issue yeah. twos always so, like without so, rhyme or reason, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's why it's important. I mean, because like for me, I I have a pull list at my my comic shops. Like you know, I want I want to make sure I get these books every week. And I understand that there's probably some people are the casual readers that may be like, oh, I see this, I'm gonna pick it up. I'm like this. They don't want to commit to a pull list, but in in this day and age, especially you know, you need to let your store know mm-hmm. that that you want this book and you want to make sure you're getting it and you don't. Because, like you said, if you have to wait for a third printing, then it's just like some yeah. of you are like, you may forget about it, or yeah. your store may not order that printing if they don't know that you want it. And so, 
So everyone listening, pre-order. Pre-order. Add it to your three, pull list. So the second printing of issue two is out in two weeks? Three weeks. Three MOC weeks. closes on it at the same time as issue three. And issue three is out? In three weeks. In three weeks. So oh, both wow. of them will or be in the weeks. stores. Three four weeks. Three or four weeks. So they'll be out in stores like relatively close to each other. Um, issue three, there's Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. There's yes. some Power Rangers in there. Plural. Plural. There are multiple Power Rangers. They are, uh, I did the research, and they're the right Power Rangers for the time period that the story's taking place. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if any, well, you guys, you guys are both too old, right? Are you not too old? That was big when I was in junior high. Okay. Then you might be really, I just write comics entirely for an audience of Matt Elfring. That's Thank pretty you much, so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. the entirety of my life is spent around trying to make one man happy. And it's not me. That's really the worst part, is that it's not myself. <laughs> and, and, and unless you're somebody from, you know, Saban or yeah. a Power Rangers copyright holder. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I want to ask about the, the legalities of using... I think you're power. fine. I think you're okay. No? Just tell me these things before they go to press. They can, they're, they're Bower Rangers. They're Bower Rangers. Power Strangers. Power Strangers. I want to see what that's about. I, co- I just copyrighted that. I own that. Oh, shit. So you're gonna you're gonna have to pay me. Royalty to Tony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tease for issue three. We have this cover of a little girl crying. She's got a knife. Well, what happens though is that that was done before we had a script for issue three. Listen here. <laughs> it's changed a little bit for final. So this and, isn't the final cover. No. Okay. But it, it's actually the final cover is even more like sick. Awesome. It's yeah. <laughs> it's e- there's even more carnage than just a bloody knife. So I don't know what's the third. I don't know what the third cover is. The third cover uh, is basically the same pose, but there there are bodies right in right, uh, on the right. ground around her right, and there's right, like. Right. Clearly, smoke and uh, ash. Oh, that's right. There's a big bomb going off somewhere. Some, I heard something about that. Yeah. <laughs> mm. about so people need to make sure they they get that. Please do. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, and thanks, everyone. So we will do this again. Not in this room. Not in Seattle. Not all together. Nope. Not, not all together. Well, we'll be at WonderCon. Actually, you're gonna come to WonderCon. I'll be there. Oh, we're gonna have a WonderCon. Uh, we're going to have something. We haven't decided what. <laughs> I was about to say we're going to have a variant, but I don't know if we're having a variant. But we're also debuting uh, my second ongoing series at Oni Press. We're going to have, it's a book called The Life After uh, with Gabbo. Um, that's not The Life After with Gabbo, which sounds like uh, <laughs> totally on board with that, too. Uh, the artist on the book is my buddy Gabbo, who you know from Elephant Men and Albert the Alien on Thrillbent. Um, and we're going to actually have a limited edition convention exclusive uh, first preview of uh, available for sale of the first whole first issue nice um, so please come by and see us at WonderCon and maybe are you we asking record... me tell me in yeah, particular you specifically you're looking at, I don't know if you're you telling can't the, have it. the I mean, listeners you can't have it for free is what I mean I don't know if you want me to come or you're telling the listeners froze. go by I had that moment where I froze but yeah so we're going to have that there's more information at onipress.com uh, make sure you can sign up for the bunker mailing list, which is the bunker com- the bunkercomic.com. Uh, and you can follow all of us on Twitter individually. Uh, I'm at Josh Fialkov. And I'm at Infernari. I'm at Herericus. Nobody's going to know how to spell that. H E R R 
E-R-A-C-U-S. And I'm at James Lucas Jones. Nobody knows how to spell that. That's not true at all. <laughs> oh, and you should all get Robin. Robin's first novel came out. My first novel came out. Yeah. What's it called? It's called Hope is a Ferris Wheel. <laughs> it should definitely be included. <laughs> So, so my question, my is, question is, is, could it be? We don't, we don't know. And I would like to ask like you which comic book does affect you most emotionally. emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. I'll oh, shake your head. I love Alan Davis. This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan Davis. I, I, I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. I gave this a two. I gave this a two. <laughs>